Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books and we are going to be talking about the Pitt Panthers making their way to the NFL. Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to a new episode of Football Unscripted here on the Pit Talk Network. I'm your host Corey Cohen and in this episode we're going to be talking specifically about one organization that got three Pitt Panthers coming their way. The New York Jets. They drafted two of them, Carter Warren and Israel Abanakanda, both drafted by the New York Jets. And then Deslin Alexander signed as an undrafted free agent headed to the Jets. Plus, they already have a Pitt Panther in Jordan Whitehead on the roster. So with perhaps four Pitt Panthers playing for the New York Jets, we decided we're going to have an episode talking about these players going to North Jersey, playing for the Jets. We got on Dan Burnham, the uh, host of This Is The Jet Life, the Jets podcast here on Fans First Sports Network. Had a great conversation with him uh, to uh, sit down and talk about the Pitt Panthers headed to East Rutherford on their way to the New York Jets and uh, to see what they can do, what spots are going to be open, what opportunities there are. And uh, so this is going to be the conversation with Dan Burnham of This is the Jet Life. Uh, also, moving forward, planning on having an episode to talk about the Pitt Panthers going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the Bucks also got a couple Pitt Panthers of their own. They drafted Kalijah Kansi in the first round, and then later in the draft, they picked Servassier Dennis. So working on that, hopefully going to have that in the next couple of days, uh, an episode specifically on the Panthers going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then hoping to have an all-encompassing episode on the draft, on the Pitt players headed to the NFL, and what we expect to see from them. So a couple episodes coming up about the NFL draft, but... First, please enjoy uh, this conversation that I had with Dan Burnham of This is the Jet Life about the three Pitt Panthers headed their way to the Big Apple. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk about the NFL draft, specifically the Pitt Panthers, and even more specifically, the Pitt Panthers headed to the New York Jets. With me uh, is my guest, Dan Burnham from This Is The Jet Life, the uh, podcast, the Jets podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. Uh, Dan, thanks so much uh, for being with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Corey. So uh, there are going to be a lot of new Jets fans from who went to Pitt or root for Pitt uh, because the Jets selected two players in the NFL draft uh, out of the University of Pittsburgh. Plus, they added one more in uh, undra- as an undrafted free agent. Plus, they already have one on the roster. So that's a potential of four Pitt Panthers on the Jets. A lot of Pitt fans are going to be pulling for the New York Jets this season. Uh, I wanted to have you on to talk about it. You are the Jets expert. And uh, and yeah, we're, we're essentially just going to sort of go down uh, the players. So the first player taken for New York, not the first player taken uh, from Pitt, that was Kalaja Kansi in the first round, but the first player taken uh, to New York is uh, Carter Warren in the fourth round, pick 120, uh, an offensive tackle uh, out of Pitt. 
only played uh, three games in this final year before getting injured. But before that, he played a ton in the years prior, 2021. I think he had some of the most snaps in the country. Um, so he is coming in. The goal is for him to play left tackle or at least certainly offensive tackle uh, for the Jets at some point. What What is the Jets offensive line situation like now, specifically at left tackle, right tackle, uh, and you know the position where, where he might be able to get some playing time? Yeah, I think when you when you look at Carter Warren and what he can bring to the Jets, we have our two starting tackles lined up, 38-year-old Dwayne Brown and then Mekhi Becton, who's only played one game in the last two years. So the Jets feel good with those two guys if they can play, but I think there's a lot of room for games missed and needing someone else to come into the mix. They had a backup swing tackle last year in Max Mitchell, but he left on uh, health issues, so he had to go to injured reserve for non-football injury. We don't know exactly what his status is. Then they bring back kind of a journeyman tackle in Cedric Bowie to be another backup tackle in case either Dwayne Brown or Mekhi Becton miss games. I think it's going to be important for those two players to get out of training camp, preseason and everything healthy. If they don't, Carter Warren's going to have a great opportunity to get in there early and hopefully play left tackle for the Jets. Hopefully he's ready to go. I guess my question to you would be, do you think if he had to do you know, spot starts early in the season, is he prepared to do that right now? Or is his meniscus injury still bothering him and going to limit him? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, the injury, obviously, when it comes to the draft, you know, everything, there's smoke screens, everyone's saying that they're 100% fit, or they're, they're overhyping what they actually are. According to Carter Warren and everything that's come out of his camp, he's good. He's 100%. He's ready to go. Uh, so in terms of the, the injury side, it sounds like he's fine. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, he missed most of the season last year. Sounds like he's fine. Now, uh, and certainly by the time that August, September rolls around, uh, he should be great. That's what they're all saying. In terms of would he be able to to slot into an NFL offensive line right away? I mean, I would say about as ready as a lot of offensive tackles are in terms of he's just he's gotten a lot of experience, even without uh, this last year, even without playing much. He still has a lot of experience and he's 24 years old. In fact, that's I think that was a downside. I think that's partially why he slipped uh, and went where he did in, in the fourth round is because he's not going to have as many years in the NFL because he's already 24. But on the plus side, if they do need him, which you're saying, I mean, you, they've got Dwayne Brown, they've got Mekhi Becton, two backups already behind them. There's a there's a strong chance that they don't need him this year. But if that were to happen, I actually do think he's he's almost uh, not a veteran presence, but a, a more veteran than than a lot of rookies coming out. I mean, in the same way that the the Packers just drafted Sean Clifford out of Penn State to be their backup quarterback. And I looked and he's actually older than Jordan Love. So, you know, you're looking at, at the scenarios sometimes with people who stayed in college for a while, especially with COVID and, uh, and some younger guys. So I, I actually do think that Carter Warren uh, could, if they needed him to be, could be influential uh, early in his career. They may. I mean, that's the position that right now, like I said, on paper, they have the two guys there and they have a couple bench players, but they don't have a, a fortified backup tackle that they know is going to be the first man up. I think it's a, it's, it would have been a battle between Max Mitchell and Cedric Bowie. Now you get Carter Warren in the mix, and not a lot of Jet fans are feeling really confident in the ability for either one of our tackles to make it through 17 games, including the preseason and training camps and stuff. You know, Dwayne Brown is, is the left tackle. That's where he plays, and that's probably where Carter Warren would figure in early on, but... Um, I don't know if he's got any ability to play right tackle or if he's ever played right tackle. If Mekhi Becton goes down, who's probably honestly the bigger injury concern for us. Interesting. Yeah, I I definitely know, obviously, uh, with 
with uh, with Brown on on that left tackle position. Obviously, when you're getting to a point at that age, yeah, it's going to be tough to make it. That's interesting that Makai Becton might not be able to go, uh, you, you know, full season, might have injury concerns. But yeah, it's interesting with Carter Warren. I mean, he he played and and significantly left tackle most prolifically. He was the left tackle for Kenny Pickett when Pitt won the ACC championship. Kenny Pickett was a Heisman finalist. All those things. Carter Warren was a huge piece of that. So he does have experience, sort of protecting precious cargo. And now the Jets have pretty precious cargo. They've got Aaron Rodgers that that you guys just got. So that is. You can make a case that's now maybe the the most important position is offensive tackle for the Jets because Aaron Rodgers is the guy, and generally he's okay. But last year there were concerns he was playing through some injuries. Now you've got a position he's going to be one year older, playing with a new system, new offensive line. He's really going to need to be protected. And uh, even if Carter Warren doesn't play, I mean, that certainly seems like there's going to be just a high – value on that position moving forward for the Jets it's gonna have to be and the Jets right now we've got Aaron Rodgers for one year everybody wants to see if we can get him here for two maybe three but it's gonna be hard to get him to come back here for a second third year if he doesn't feel like he's protected he doesn't feel like he's got a good line in front of him right that's gonna be one of the best ways to bring him back is just having a good line so for me coming out of this draft the number one most important thing was leaving with an offensive tackle I wanted the Jets to get one with their first round pick at 15 the board didn't fall that way for him unfortunately But then second round, an opportunity came. They decided to address the interior offensive line there instead. Carter Warren, I wasn't too familiar with his name when they picked him. But, you know, I started looking him up really quick and then started looking up the running back the Jets took in the fourth round. And and you see uh, a little bit more of him. It's almost a highlight reel for Carter Warren when you're looking at Izzy as the uh, running back for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Yeah, and we'll we'll go right into that. That's a good segue. So then, coming up the next round, Carter Warren goes in uh, in the fourth. Which, by the way, I thought he was going to go in the third. So I do think that there was there was actually good value for the Jets in that. And then you talk about the next pick, Israel Abanikanda. I thought was going to go in the fourth, maybe even slip into the end of the third. Instead, he goes in the fifth round. The Jets draft him uh, with pick uh, one hundred and forty three. Israel Abanikanda. Uh, another local player, which we'll, we'll talk about that also, the fact that Carter Warren is from Patterson, New Jersey. Now Israel Abanikanda is from Brooklyn. So both players, they're not going to have any sort of culture shock when it comes to playing in New York, living in North Jersey, stuff like that. It's not going to be moving across the country, being a, far away from family. I think that it's tough to say exactly how that's that's going to factor in. And obviously they were just in Pittsburgh for the last handful of years which isn't too far, but obviously not as close. Uh, but I always I always do think that's interesting. Um, Abanikanda, though, he is a phenomenal player. I, I truly think the Jets got a steal here, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I think, I mean, what he saw, what, what he did, what we saw him do at Pitt the last few years, especially this past year, he is an incredible player. I mean, with running backs especially, you can kind of tell – some guys just have it and yeah, they might be undersized. And so they might not be a superstar, something like that, but some guys just have it. Abanikanda has it. He was that guy. He was that dude uh, for the Panthers. I really think the jets got a steal, especially in the fifth round. Yeah. We're really excited to have him. We've got some question marks in our running back room right now. And I think that we went into this thing knowing that running back wasn't a real need for the team because last year they drafted Brees Hall 
who's expected to come back after tearing his ACL last year. And if he's healthy to go, he's going to be the number one guy. But there's a chance that Brees Hall's 80% to start the year, maybe not ready to go 100%. And then you're talking about guys like Michael Carter, who they drafted in the fourth round a year ago, um, two years ago, actually, who was really good his rookie year, a little less efficient last year. Then behind him, they had Bam Knight, who was an undrafted free agent from last year. And you were just kind of curious how they were going to move the snaps around and who was going to get opportunities if Brees Hall wasn't 100% ready. And they draft Izzy, and I started looking at his tape. I'd seen him a little bit, and I thought he looked you know, like a good, a good player. And the more I looked at him, the more I realized he's got more speed than I thought. He's got some catching ability. Looks like he can do a little bit of everything. And this was a, a draft with a lot of smaller backs. And I think he's got a decent amount of power to the style of, uh, of play that he's got with that speed. So I think that uh, he's going to have a lot of opportunities with the Jets. We're going to be focusing on the run with this team because Nathaniel Hackett wants to do that with Aaron Rodgers. He always has. Aaron Rodgers is going to want to rely on those running backs to help kind of set the tone for his passing game and his play actions. And he's going to have an opportunity here. Absolutely. A fifth round running back here. He's right away in line to be potentially fighting for the number two running back spot on this team. That's going to be using those running backs a lot and getting a lot of opportunities with Aaron Rodgers to make it a little bit easier on him. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's with, with Israel Abanacanda, he is, more of Pitt has had a handful of running backs that have that have come out and and gone to the NFL and been pretty incredible. Tony Dorsett, uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, James Conner's been a, a starting running back recently. hasn't been quite to the level of the others. Curtis Martin is another one. My Paul favorite of all time, um, of course, with the Jets. How could I forget? Uh, even momentarily. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Curtis Martin, of course, a, a legend with the New York Jets, NFL yeah. Hall of Famer, um, and and so Israel Abanacanda. In the last few years, we, we've seen maybe a couple different kinds of running backs at Pitt. There's obviously the the big bruiser, uh, more like a James Conner, and then there's the elusive LaShawn McCoy uh, sort of player. Abanacan is certainly more of a McCoy. I mean, he's more about speed, athleticism. He's elusive. But as you mentioned, he does have a good amount of power, especially for that size. So it's not, he's not just a one-trick pony. But definitely the emphasis for him is going to be speed, explosiveness. I believe he was even uh, a runner into on top, not at Pitt. I believe he was in high school in Brooklyn. But I believe he like set a couple records or something at a school. I, he is lightning fast. He also has the ability in the return game to go back and, and be a, a kick returner. And so if that's you know perhaps a need for the Jets, uh, that's going to be really interesting. The running back room is fascinating to me because my instant reaction – when he was drafted was I thought this was a really good spot because there is not a, it's not a setup where there is one guy who's going to get all the carries. As you said, Brees Hall, he's, he's going to be the number one. If he's healthy, he really emerged last year. He seems to be, he seems to be excellent. Could be the long-term number one there, but there was the injury. You don't know if he's going to be hundred percent at the start. As you said, you don't know if he could re-aggravate something. You, you just don't know. It's been a fairly small sample size with him. As for the other guys, it really does seem like anyone could be the number two. And it'll be interesting to see in that sort of system. I think a number two is really important because it's not the Titans where everything runs through Derrick Henry. It's not the Raiders where everything runs through Josh Jacobs. It seems like it is going to be a little bit more rotation. Even we saw that in, in Green Bay with Nathaniel Hackett. It, it wasn't necessarily just one guy. You had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And, you know, it was normally two or even three guys. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Lacy, you know, so I think there's a real opportunity, even if he is the second or even third string guy. It sounds like there could be a big uh, spot for him. 
Yeah, I think there is. And like you said, having that balanced kind of style to him, he is fast, he's explosive, but he's not just like a scat back. He's not just a third down back who's going to catch the ball and just be zippy fast and stuff. He's actually got a little bit more well-rounded balance to his game that I've seen that I think is going to give him an opportunity to be in there on more downs. I guess my question to you would be, when you're trying to work to be the number two running back for an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, it's really in a small window to try to win a championship. A lot of it's going to come down to pass blocking. And whether or not those guys are able to pick up their assignments, Aaron Rodgers is not going to want to be pulling out a guy who's not necessarily going to have his you know, blindside or, or a block that he needs him to get. So do you think that is he going to be able to to make those blocks? How did he do with pass protection you know, for the, for the Pittsburgh Panthers? He definitely improved. He was not, that was not his strong suit at all when he started getting playing time. And then he started improving. And in fact, I think that's one of the things that helped him get the first string running back job at Pitt because there were a couple players who were really good. You could even say almost even with him. In fact, at the start of this past season, he was roughly even with another running back, Rodney Hammond, who's back at Pitt and he's going to be the starting running back this year. But Abanacanda, I think, really took a step up in part just because of his talent and what he showed on the field, but also because Pat Narduzzi really valued the blocking aspect of being a running back pass blocking. And I think Abanacanda, over the course of his career, really took a step up with that. Um, so so I, I do think that that is something, even though he can be small, I think he's actually a really efficient pass blocker. That is something that again, is it was important to Pat Narduzzi and, and part of how he won the job. And they they weren't going to just accept a running back who was explosive, who was fast, but didn't do anything else. They really wanted him to become all around. And while he wasn't to start, I really think that he developed. So yeah, I, I think that's, you, it's almost surprising, but I do think that's actually a, one of the stronger aspects of his game. As long as he's willing, you know? Yeah, he's a, right, a young, Yep. A rookie running back, we'd rather him get flattened than Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> as long as he's willing to go in there and take those hits, you know, be a team player like that. And it looks like when the Jets grab these guys, you know, across the board, they're good at getting good players, good men, it seems like. And the Jets are really big about culture. You mentioned them both being from the area, from Brooklyn and from, uh, uh, from Patterson. Was it Patterson, New Jersey. So both in the area and stuff, the Jets are bringing in good, hardworking people that love football, love the game. And it sounds like both of those players the Jets took in the draft fourth and fifth round are that type of guy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, both of them, they are like fully committed to the game of football. They, they take it really seriously. They're really good guys. Um, Carter Warren was a captain. I'm actually not 100% sure if Izzy was by the end because uh, he wasn't a senior, but he certainly was a team leader. Really... Um, I mean, had th this past season, he had such a breakout, really showed a lot of maturity, 21 touchdowns in just 11 games this year. I believe he was second place in ACC player of the year voting. Uh, he, he was breaking records. He was passing, uh, you know, Tony Dorsett, I, I think for, for a couple records. And I mean, he really, uh, took, took a big step up and, and got a lot of attention and handled it incredibly well. And he's still, I mean, he is, I, he's 20 years old. He is still really young. And now the Jets, all the running backs are really young. That's sort of a blessing and a curse in this situation. It's not like Carter Warren at left tackle where the guy that he might be backing up is coming toward the end of his career. There is a chance that that Izzy is that he can't break through because there are three other guys already in the running back room, all young, all hungry, and he doesn't find a situation. So there's sort of a blessing and a curse there. The curse could be that because it's so deep and everyone's so young, 
that there's just not a spot for him. But the blessing is, as I said earlier, there's not just one guy who's going to get all the snaps and that's it. I really think if he can prove it on the field and practices and all that, there can be a spot for him. Yeah, I completely agree. And the numbers, like you said, I mean, they're astounding. It's a school that's had great runners for a long time. Um, they're known for it. And some of my favorite players of all time have come from Pittsburgh. So I was very pleased to see, you know, joining the likes of Curtis Martin and Darrell Rivas. It's like, all right, a couple more Pittsburgh guys. feels good. feels like, uh, you know, a little bit more comfort in that school. Yeah, it but, could very well be the, the pit to Jets fandom pipeline could very well go. I mean, you've got the one generation with Curtis Martin yep. and you've got you had another generation with Rivas Island. Now, perhaps, you know, if if Vanikanda and, and Carter Warren really break through, uh, I think a lot of Pitt fans would would be happy to hop on the bandwagon. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. But his numbers are astounding. You look at him, 21 touchdowns, the efficiency that he had, the different things that he can do in that offense. And Carter Warren making a lot of those holes for him when he was, you know, healthy earlier. Um, pretty awesome, too. So we're excited to have those guys. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool that that both of them went to a spot where I think there's a good situation. Obviously, as I said, both from right near where they're from and that that they've got someone that they went to school with that they're close with and they're going together. I think that is it's really cool when that happens. Uh, And uh, we've seen it more with, say, quarterback to wide receiver pairings. But I think any time the two guys who went to school together get drafted together uh, and and play together in the NFL, I think that really helps them adjust more quickly. Uh, more efficiently, and uh, we're seeing it now with with Philadelphia, with the Eagles drafting all these Georgia Bulldogs. I think there is something to be said for getting guys that that already know each other. Just any little advantage there, I think, is going to be helpful to 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 ease that transition. There's one more person I wanted to ask you about in this draft. He actually wasn't drafted, but he signed with the Jets as an undrafted free agent, so he'll get a chance. That's Deslin Alexander. He was uh, a defensive end for Pitt. He was on the defensive line, kind of overshadowed by Kalijah Kansi, the the first-round draft pick uh, from Pitt, but still a really good player, really tough. The way Pitt's played the last couple years, just strong up front, getting after the quarterback, causing pressure, trying to wreak havoc, and, and he's done well, and Pitt's had some really good players that have come out of that position. What's the Jets situation like on the on the defensive line, specifically defensive end? Do you think that there's a chance that he could make the team and, you know, actually uh, make something out of this? So right now, the way it's lined up, there's not going to be a quick avenue for him to play unless guys go down and get injured. Um, the Jets currently have like nine set locked in guys for the defensive line. And Robert Sala and Jeff Albrecht on the defense really like to have a rotation on the defensive line. They want it to be nine or ten guys going into the season for sure. They don't want to go in seven or eight. It's going to be nine or ten, and they're all going to play. They're going to rotate through. And we currently have, you know, we drafted in the first round this year a defensive end, and it was a position that wasn't necessarily a need because they would be behind Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, and perhaps, you know, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens out of last year. Then we bring in Will McDonald in the first round to play defensive end, and you're like, where is he going to fit necessarily? But you know they want to have a deep rotation, so you understand it working. I think Deslin's probably going to end up on the practice squad and be able to play through the summer and everything. And if guys go down, like I said, they're not going to drop down to eight guys in that room. If somebody goes down, they're going to bring somebody up to make sure that rotation stays at nine, 10 players. So he's going to have an opportunity to be one of the first men up every year because the rotation is so deep. They always have one or two defensive linemen on the practice squad. And they usually do at some point get elevated for a game or two when a guy goes down. So I think that's going to be his opportunity. But again, it comes down to how he plays in camp and how he does in preseason, because I'm sure we're going to bring more guys in to compete with him also. Yeah, it's always interesting with undrafted free agents, where obviously 
Not too many of them make it. The expectations are lower, but there is that, uh, if you're an undrafted free agent, you're just hoping for a chance for an opportunity. Can I get in there? Can I get on the practice squad? If I do get called up, can I, you know, if I play in a game here or there, if I get a couple snaps, what can I do in these little flashes to show that, Hey, I'm more than just an undrafted free agent. Treat me like you would a fourth, fifth round guy. Let me get some more snaps and see what you can do. Ultimately, yeah, it's going to be totally up to him. As you said, if someone goes down, what what can he do with the limited opportunities he gets, whether that's in practice, in a game, preseason, whatever it is. But it is, I would say, nice for him, for Pitt fans to hear that Robert Sala, one, he's a defensive guy already, and we know that he emphasizes that side of the ball, and that's how he's built so far. Uh, but two, the fact that he does like to have a really deep defensive line. And so that could provide opportunities for if he is the the ninth or 10th best defensive lineman that they figure in the organization, that might mean, yeah, he's going to he's going to get on the roster. He's going to get some time. You definitely may get to see some snaps for this team. Um, you know, when you got nine, 10 guys there and you're playing that many, I mean, expectations are that they're not all going to be able to play 17 games. So one way or another, there's going to be a 10th or an 11th guy that gets an opportunity to play this year. Just making sure that he positions himself to be that guy. And if I'm not mistaken, he was another captain from your team, right? Yes. Yep. So another one of those guys that Joe Douglas goes after, just a great player who loves football, a leader. I think that that's another great thing that he brings to the team, just being one of those you know mature young veterans. Um, as you said, you know, the Jets, the adjustment is important to us, especially because the window is kind of small with the Aaron Rodgers. Then we want to make sure we capitalize on a one, two-year window. So we want to make sure that we're getting people that are mature enough to handle what's going to be asked of them this year, because potentially if he's playing, I mean, they're going to put a lot on his plate. Who knows if all of a sudden he ends up being the ninth guy in the defensive line room, because guys go down and we're playing in some playoff games and it's really important minutes that he's in there for. I mean, they're not going to shy away and just go to a five man rotation because of the playoffs, you know, he's still going to have to do 10 snaps a game or something if he's there. So making sure that you get a guy who's ready to kind of understand the magnitude of it all, hit the ground running. And I think when you take a captain like that from a defense that had Kalijah Kansi, a lot of other guys drafted from your defense. So clearly, you know, a good system you guys had there, clearly well coached. I think it's going to be potentially an opportunity for him to make at least the practice squad is, is kind of my expectation when I saw him. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, defense, it, it's definitely a a system that, yeah, they, they churn out guys from defense, especially defensive line. Uh, Pitt has done an incredible job uh, with in, in recent years, starting really with with Aaron Donald. And then since then, it's almost just been a steady rotation of, of one or two great guys every year. This group that that featured uh, Deslin Alexander, they they won an ACC championship. They they really had a collective run. It wasn't just one year flash in the pan, as you said. Uh, he, you know, he was a captain. He's got that experience. So I do think culture wise, that'll fit in really well. Where if he is thrust into a to a, a position as a rookie where he needs to step up, he's not going to be some guy who maybe went to a, a really small school and then transferred to a bigger school for one year and had one good season or is more of a problem. He's, he's been in big moments before. And so I think that that would be possible if they needed him, but obviously first things first, one more player before, uh, before you go, that I wanted to ask you about is someone who wasn't drafted uh, this year. He was drafted a few years ago, went to Tampa Bay, played with the jets last year, Jordan Whitehead, who's about to begin his uh, second season with the jets uh, as a safety what did you see from him last year uh, featuring in uh, for the Jets? And then what do you think moving forward into this season uh, he's going to be expected to do? 
Yeah, he was a really exciting player for us to add last year in free agency because he left that Super Bowl winning Bucks defense at a really young age with his arrow pointing up sky high. So the Jets gave him a pretty fair contract. You know, he's making seven, eight million dollars a year for like two, three years for the Jets, depending on how long they hold on to him. And uh, we were really, really pleased with what we got. The defense overall for the Jets was like way ahead of expectations. And then you look at the defensive backs last year and they were all first year players within the Jets system. LaMarcus Joyner had been there the year before, but he tore his triceps in week one. And then you have Jordan Whitehead, his first year with the team, DJ Reed, his first year with the team, Sauce Gardner, a rookie. So it was a whole new defensive backfield, aside from our nickel cornerback who'd been there. And for the guys to just kind of hit the ground running and not have a lot of issues early on, not a lot of breakdowns, um, Jordan Whitehead was given the the ability and opportunity because of the coverage to kind of do what he does best, come up into the box, make some big hits, um, play on the ball a few times. And I think that overall he had maybe we were expecting him to like be on the verge of going into becoming an NFL star, being the young player that he was. Maybe he didn't push it to that, but he looks like a long stay type of veteran player within the league. I was a little bit worried and still maybe am given the Aaron Rodgers contract situation with the team. Uh, Jordan Whitehead currently has a contract with not a lot of guaranteed money where if they needed to make $7 million quick, he could be a guy that gets moved. But I think that he was too important for the team and part of that unit last year that they want to keep this thing going. He's still, he's going to be what, 25 this year? Yeah. Already won a Super Bowl. He's been in the league for four years. Yeah. I mean, this this guy is, uh, you know, arrows pointing up for him. It's on him. He's got an opportunity again with a great defense. Um, Yeah. He's, he's a guy that we're really happy to have. He doesn't, he doesn't make you scratch your head. And that's the one thing I think with safeties that you just don't want. You don't want your safety missing tackles, missing assignments, letting guys get deep behind them. And, uh, he didn't do a lot of that last year, so we were we were really pleased to have him. Yeah, absolutely. He he is Pitt had a long stretch there where the defensive backs really made you scratch your head and pull your hair out, and then came a, a period with Jordan Whitehead and Demar Hamlin, uh, and and Pitt fans got really lucky uh, with with those two. And so I think I think with as talked about earlier, Robert Sala, defensive guy, really wants to to hammer that home. Just because the team has Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean they're going to shift all the focus on the offensive end. They still want to be one of the top defensive teams in the NFL, and a lot of that comes from from the defensive back position. I think Jordan Whitehead uh, can can have maybe even even bigger breakout year uh, with the Jets and. You know, now that he's he's already got that Super Bowl with uh, with Tampa Bay, not too many guys get Super Bowls with two different teams. Obviously, the Jets now have uh, a much stronger chance than they did uh, a couple of weeks ago. So you never know. I mean, I think having having Jordan Whitehead there and then these these other guys on the team, uh, there's going to be a lot to fight for. This isn't just going to be let me try to prove myself. Let's sort of ease on in. They're going to be sort of thrown into the deep end. But I think that is in in a lot of ways exciting for a player to go into the NFL and instantly be on a team that has a lot of high ambitions. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing about, you know, Jordan Whitehead is the moment's not going to be too big for him because he's been there already. He's one of those guys that's used to the playoffs, used to those big stages as young as he is. I mean, he's got so much more kind of veteran makeup to him than so many Jets players over the last 10 years really have had not a lot of playoff experience and he's coming over ready to do it and hopefully help lead this team to, uh, at least a few, at least the playoffs, maybe a playoff win or two. We'll see. It's going to be important that Carter Warren and Izzy and, and you know, any of these other rookies that we bring in are able to contribute if they're called upon this year. You know, it's a next man up league and you never know when a guy's going to get thrust into a role. And uh, I think it's, I think it's exciting, but uh, 
it all remains to be seen. We're going to be monitoring these guys through training camps and position battles preseason. And there's a chance the Jets could be on hard knocks this year, honestly. We're one of like three teams that are eligible for hard knocks. And now getting Aaron Rodgers, it feels like it's going to take a lot for the Jets to get out of that one. I don't want the <laughs> distraction, but we may be seeing these guys on a on a big stage pretty soon. Yeah, it'd be interesting. There could be a whole uh, a whole episode featuring, you know, the rookies and, you know, so we could we could be seeing a lot of them because I, I think you're right. I think there's a high likelihood that the Jets with Aaron Rodgers now are the uh, the team that Hard Knocks selects. So uh, that would certainly be interesting. Uh, Dan Burnham, thank you so much for coming on um, and, uh, you know, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So that is Dan Burnham from This Is The Jet Life, the New York Jets podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Until next time, I am Corey Cohen signing off from Football Unscripted on the Pit Talk Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.